Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico and former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District, Steve Pierce. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Derek. We've got a tremendous show for you today, but uh, how are you doing? Well, all things considered, I guess I'm doing pretty well. Before we get started, I want to welcome a new affiliate carrying our program in Socorro, New Mexico, Steve Edmondson over there at Mine Country 102.1 FM, the only local radio station in Socorro has us on at 7.30 Saturday morning, so we thank him for that. But I also wanted to talk to you about the governor's orders. And I know there's a lot of theories that she's a socialist or she's doing this and that. Maybe. I, I don't know. But what it looks like to me, you know, I've worked places, I'm sure you have too, where sometimes you have someone that's just not good at their job, maybe just not a good administrator. Let me just say, and I think you'd agree, I don't hate the governor. I don't hate anybody. We may disagree with her, but we don't hate the governor. But I don't think she's taking the right path for us. And it almost seems like the way she's going back and forth, this is what I've seen people do when they don't really know what to do. What are your thoughts? I think you're getting really close to the truth. Again, I have no hatred, no bad feelings toward the governor. I will say when I think she's doing incorrectly, but that doesn't mean that I dislike her in any fashion. But you know, when we ran the campaign for governor, she on the Democrat side, me on the Republican side in 2018, I pointed out that when she was director of health and before that, the director of aging in New Mexico, that there were great, great problems in the agency underneath her. At one point, they found one of the residents wandering down the street from one of the nursing homes and nothing ever happened from it. And then later, after that being identified as a problem, then it came up and three people died at these nursing homes at that same point. One person, the electricity went off, had his oxygen system on, but of course it's powered or it was being powered at that point by the electricity and he literally suffocated there with no oxygen. Nobody checked on him. No one even told the agency that he died so there was no oversight from her agency into the nursing homes and then it turns out that the nursing home industry had made a huge contribution to a political campaign in the nature of $50,000 that was to Gary Johnson she was serving under Gary Johnson and so it began to look like a little bit of cronyism a whole lot of mismanagement and two or three times as the heads of departments she literally said we didn't do our job we weren't on top of it we failed and she she keeps making those comments over and over again in the press. And so I think that your observations bear a lot of merit that in this COVID-19, she seems to be floundering. I've referred to it as she's throwing darts at a dartboard and wherever it hits, that's going to be her policy for this week. Well, then in this current health order, she suddenly says that campaigning is going to be the root of all evil, that she's not going to let people campaign door to door. You're not going to be able to raise money. You're not going to be able to do this. Meanwhile, she's going out of state to raise money for Joe Biden. She's already done another fundraiser for him. And so it seems to be like it's OK for her to raise money. It's just not OK for us, the rest of the people, to raise money. But then the door knocking. We are sincerely interested in the future of the state. And so we're out hustling. We're trying to convey our platform and our candidates' messages to the voting public, and now she's saying you're not going to be allowed to do that. So we were very full force saying this is just a political move on her part, but your question is right on point, and eventually the state is going to realize the damage that's been done all in the name of keeping us safe. Now keep in mind that if we had had a 1,000 people die, 
and we haven't, that's about three-tenths of one percent. That's a number that does not bear the weight of her decisions. She's saying that we're just all at risk of catching COVID-19 and dying from that, and we've got to stop all of these risky activities. The truth is three-tenths of one percent is the actual mortality rate from the COVID-19. So, Derek, another health order that is really problematic for the future of New Mexico. I wonder if she will allow the census workers to go door-to-door because that brings money in. That's exactly right. Another good point that why is it okay to run the census and it's not okay to campaign door-to-door? I want you to play that clip of Bill Barr. He's the sitting attorney general for the United States. He's in front of a congressional committee. And the way it works in these committees is that people not on the committee, they can be in Congress, but if they're not on the committee, they don't get to come in and ask questions. And each person gets to ask five minutes worth of questions. And so what they do, they ask, they ask, they postulate, they make it appear like he's guilty of something, but they never let him answer. And Jim Jordan, the Republican ranking member, that means he's the top Republican on the committee, that he's in the minority, the majority, the Democrat, that's Nadler, Chairman Nadler. And so listen to the exchange between Jim Jordan and Nadler when Jordan finally gets fed up with the Democrats positioning the Attorney General of the United States and never allowing him to answer. For months you've tried to get the Attorney General to come. He's here. Why don't you let him speak? Why don't you let him answer the questions? Gentleman is not Time after time. If you want the Attorney General to come, at least let him answer the questions and the accusations made against him. The gentleman's rudeness is not recognized. Rudeness? Rudeness is on the other side. Time after time, you refuse to let the Attorney General of the United States answer the questions posed to him. So what's going on there is that... Again, it's a very formal process in these committee hearings, and you have to be recognized by the chairman. So you you recognize Jordan's voice. Why don't you let the attorney general speak? But then you hear Nadler banging his gavel trying to restore the order in the committee because Jordan has just become fed up with the unfairness, with the unwillingness of the majority to let the attorney general answer the questions that they have posed for him, had a similar exchange with Steve Scalise, and he is asking Dr. Fauci about how much that President Trump was coordinating with the health community, with the health experts. And so you're hearing this narrative come out of the Democrats right now that says that the president had no plan, that he was simply responsible for every death in the U.S. from the COVID-19. Forget the Chinese, forget every other element of this. And so Steve Scalise wants to put these questions to rest. And so he systematically goes through and I want you to listen to that clip right now. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you about some of the decisions that you worked with President Trump on and the whole team did. I know when you go back to the beginning of this, the China ban was very heavily discussed. Were you involved in working with President Trump on deciding to ban flights from China? Yes, sir. I was. Do you agree with that decision? I do. Do you think that decision saved lives, Dr. Fauci? Yes, I do. Do you agree with the decision when ultimately we saw spread in Europe and then the president recommended that we extend that to Europe? Did you participate in that discussion? I was actively involved in that discussion, sir. Do you agree with that decision? Yes, I do. Do you think that decision saved lives? Yes, I do. Eventually, then, we saw the United Kingdom have an outbreak, and there had to be a tough decision made. Do we extend that to the United Kingdom? Were you part of that decision? I was. And do you agree with that decision as well? I do. Did that decision save lives? Yes, it did. When you look at the 15 days to slow the spread, uh, initially it started at 15. Were you part of the decision to implement that decision? I was very much involved in that. 
Did that decision save lives, Dr. I Fauci? believe it did. Then when President Trump met with you and Dr. Birx to extend that another 30 days, uh, do you agree with that decision that President Trump made to extend that? Yes, I was very much involved, and I agree with it. Did that decision save lives, Dr. Fauci? I believe it did. So I know we've heard a lot about disagreements. Clearly, there are many decisions made. In fact, there are many very internationally respected doctors that are involved in each of those decisions. Is that correct? Yes. By and large, would you say that you and President Trump have been agreement, in agreement on most of those decisions? We were in agreement on virtually all of those. I appreciate that. It is unfortunate that that exchange was not broadcast on the mainstream media. Steve Pierce, the chairman of our Republican Party, and I will return in just a moment on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, last week we talked about the lawsuit that was filed by the Republican Party of New Mexico against some of these outrageous things our governor is doing. We got a decision on that this week. Tell us what happened. Well, Derek, the Supreme Court decided against us. I don't think it was a failure for the Republican Party or the businesses who brought the suit. The money was well spent. It's a failure for New Mexico because this Supreme Court decided that they would look away from the law and simply say that the governor has the right to do what she wants. That's a frightening proposition to lay in front of the voters when they recognize that the governor is killing the small businesses, that the governor is taking political actions in order to punish her opponents. It's becoming more clear every day. She did back away from our position on no door-to-door campaigning when we raised the issue of how come she was letting the census workers go door-to-door. She realized that she could not stand in that position. But still, the idea that she's going to go in and give sixty dollars and $70,000 fines to her businesses, these are small mom and pops. They ain't got that much money in the bank. All she's going to do is force them to close forever. The small restaurant Casey's in Hobbs has been in business 43 years, and I'm absolutely certain that they're not going to be able to survive the $70,000 fine that they've been tagged with. And so that's what Main Street New Mexico is looking at. You know, this idea of big government hating small independent businesses, that's the stuff that tyranny is made of. And that's exactly what's playing out across the country right now, but especially in states controlled by Democrats. We haven't given up. We're talking to the Justice Department to see if they will take this to the U.S. Supreme Court. We think it is that big a deal. There's another way we can win this is at the ballot box on November 3rd. That's absolutely right, and that's what we're telling people on our ads. We've started a series of ads that basically say if you're tired of the way things are, you're going to have to vote Republican. So we had our first one 100 days to Election Day last week. 100 days to Election Day. Here's what's possible in New Mexico. If you're tired of the way New Mexico is, you're going to have to vote Republican. And so you've got this cultural battle going on for the soul of the country, and we are not out of it. And uh, New Mexico, I believe the voters are going to turn this state red all the way from President Trump down to the courthouses in the counties, state legislature, House and the Senate. I see a wave coming on that will take place on our side of the aisle. 
There is a pastor who met with President Trump with some other folks. He happens to be black. And Jimmy Kimmel thought that was pretty funny and was making fun of it. And we have a response from Mark Little. Yeah, let's play that response because I think it is one of the more articulate rebuttals to just the sheer lack of respect that the media has for anybody that sides with the Republicans or sides with Trump or sides with anything conservative. First, you'll hear them talking with the president. Then you'll hear what Jimmy Kimmel said. And then we'll hear what Mark Little said. You truly are the best president since Abraham. Thank you. Man, you the first black president. <laughs> I guess orange really is the new black. Jimmy Kimmel, I'm Mark Little. I see you peeked into our little meeting with the president last week. It was an honor to be there. And I want to tell you why I think Donald Trump is really the best president since Abraham Lincoln. I know that sounds like an audacious statement. But as an African-American, our unemployment rate is historically twice that of white Americans. Under this president, Mr. Kimmel, we are experiencing one of the most amazing economic surges of modern history. I know you make a lot of money, and I know it probably doesn't affect you, and maybe you'll find some creative ways to pay less in taxes. But the average American, under this president, our lives are better. You can joke about that if you want to, but it's the truth. Americans, black Americans, Latinos and women, are at work at higher rates than ever before. Find a way to make a joke about that. Americans are better off, Mr. Kimmel, under this president. African Americans are receiving their loved ones from jail because of the First Step Act and prison reform. Kitchen tables around America are different today because some loved ones who had life sentences have a second chance under this president. Under this president, Mr. Kimmel, opportunity zones are revitalizing our communities. People are waking up and they're seeing change. Change that gives them dignity. Change that restores hope in America. Make a joke about that. The first Republican president responsible for freeing the slaves under the Emancipation Proclamation did a great work. And I dare you to find another president who has been so committed to the cause of African Americans in this country. Now, of course, you may cite Lyndon Baines Johnson or Kennedy because of the Civil Rights Acts, 1964, 1965. But if you do that, please do pull up the rolls and find out that it was only because of Republican votes that those bills passed. Lyndon Baines Johnson was one of the biggest racists in the Senate. In fact, he said if we get this legislation passed, we'll have these niggas voting for us for the next 200 years. Make a joke about that, Mr. Kimmel. Donald Trump is changing lives of all Americans, but he's changing the lives of black Americans in particular. And I'm proud to stand with him and for him, and I'm proud that I had the opportunity to pray over him. He needs protection, in part because of people like you, who seem to think it's fodder to avoid the truth of how Americans and our lives are better. It's not a joke, but keep making all the money you can. And I hope that you pray that we do too, because we want the American dream just like you. 
So these are the reasons that I support President Trump. I don't think that Mark Little supports him because he's black. I don't think he supports him for anything except the values that Mark Little has and the values he sees in the president. He's very articulate on why he supports the president. He's articulate equally that the Democrats can't stand up to this sort of values. And so these are the voices that we'd like to play on inside New Mexico because they speak for all of us. In a surprise, former congressman from the second congressional district, Democrat Harry Teague, came out for the Republican candidate, Yvette Harrell. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Harry is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for years. He graduated from Hobbs High the same as I did. I was a couple of years older than he was. He was a county commissioner. My first political appointment was to the Lee County Fair Board. Harry Teague appointed me to that. So... When he won as congressman, I had the task to go and run against him and and defeated him. That caused a strain in the relationship. But I got a call a couple of weeks ago asking if I would go on camera with Harry Teague to endorse Yvette Harrell. I said, absolutely. Harry's a longtime friend. We actually filmed the ad at Harry's home. There were Democrats out there to support Harry. And I will just tell you, this is the reason I believe we're going to turn this state red. Conservative Democrats are saying no longer they're not going to watch as their party says we're going to defund the police. They're not going to watch as their party looks the other way and fails to condemn the burning of America by Antifa and the BLM movement. So conservative Democrats, just like Harry Teague, are going to be voting Republican this fall. I'm certain of it. Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment with more Inside New Mexico. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil slash employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, you know, we see people in New Mexico protesting. They're upset the businesses are closed. The governor shut down the economy. Apparently, we're not the only ones. Tell us what's going on in Berlin. Well, Berlin, in an article in Politico that's just on August the 2nd by Vincent Manacourt, and he's pointing out that 17,000 people gathered in Berlin to protest that government, the German government's response to the COVID-19, the shutting down of businesses, the taking away of freedoms, the liberties. And so it's not just here in the U.S. that people are beginning to say, wait, you can't just shut down everything. And so the group kind of titles itself Thinking Outside the Box 711. And so I would urge you to go online, take a look at what you see. Again, worldwide, people are making responses that say you can't just keep doing this. On another note, Derek, we have said a couple of times in the recent past about John Roberts and his votes on the Supreme Court. This week, John Roberts joined with the other conservatives to shut down the groups which were trying to stop Trump from building his border wall. There were a variety of environmental groups saying that, wait, the sand dune lizard or or some endangered species is there and you can't build that wall because it might disrupt the pattern of that species. Well, the Supreme Court is saying, wait, you've got a right 
Act and, in fact, constitutional responsibility for the federal government to, in fact, secure its borders. No state is allowed to do it, so Texas can't, New Mexico can't on our border, California and Arizona can't. And so... So the Supreme Court said that the president can go ahead and build that wall to secure the border, to establish orderly immigration. Then in another, I think, major development, you know very well that President Trump has appointed probably more federal judges and had them approved by the Senate than any other president in history. That is occurring in part because Harry Reid, back when the Democrats were in the majority in the Senate, he changed the rules on confirming the lower court judges. Still a filibuster is authorized for Supreme Court justices. So Harry Reid changed the rules. As you know, there's a provision in the Senate that allows a filibuster on any issue. And Harry Reid says, wait, we're not going to do that. Obama has appointed some judges and we want the ability to approve those. And so he did away with the 60 vote threshold to overcome the filibuster. And so it just takes now 51 votes to confirm any person into the judicial branch. The 60-vote threshold still holds for other appointees, but not for judicial appointees. So now then the Democrats have put a plank into their national platform that basically says, when we get control, we're going to change the judicial branch. That should be alarming to people that, due to the politics, that they don't like the judges that the president has put in, that they would go and undermine the very basis of the three parts of government. And so this checks and balance system has worked well for over 200 years, and now the Democrats are going to go in and say, we're going to politicize the Justice Department. That was the problem that came up when President Trump was being investigated by the Obama administration. Remember that President Trump won the election and then he started getting this interference that was coming from President Obama's Justice Department. So he was still in the last two months of his term in office. President Trump would be sworn in in mid-January at the inauguration. And so in this lame duck period, then the Justice Department, the FBI, the Justice Department itself began to do things that were trying to trap Trump to delay his entry into office, maybe to get him step aside and have someone else sworn in as president. And so this is what's wrong with the Democrat platform that says we're going to reform, meaning change the judiciary. So again, alarming things coming out there from that Democrat National Committee. So all of this played out in, in what's known as Obamagate now. Uh, it was where that President Obama weaponized the use of both domestic and foreign intelligence against a president that has been elected but not yet taken office. And so this weaponization of the agencies is something that President Obama did a lot. He used the Internal Revenue Service. Remember, we had the Tea Party groups, and he just simply would not recognize as 501c3s or as tax-exempt organizations. And in short, when they're talking about Obamagate, the comment by a journalist is that he spied, they lied, and they tried to cover it up. And that's the short version of, of what the Obamagate is. On July the 28th, Victor David Hansen had in the National Review, I think, an article that really, really adequately describes where the nation is at right now. He points out that we're in the midst of the revolution. Now, the revolution is either going to be successful or not successful. He said it's important to understand the players. The players on the left 
First of all, you have the stormtroopers, you have the people out front. They're wanting to cause chaos. They're the revolutionaries, they're cultural revolutionaries. Many times they're affluent, a lot of times younger, just out of college. They've been taught that this nation is no good, and they're out simply to destroy. They're the Antifa. The Black Lives Matter has also been taken over by the Marxists, and they will tell you that. We're after far more than just defending black lives. They will say, we want the destruction of the nuclear family. And so you have these groups. That's the first element. They're the ones that are shocking the nation with their violence. They're the ones that are breaking windows, trying to burn down the courthouse in Portland. Then you've got next the neo-social the Democratic Party. They're the ones that consider that the elements of Antifa and the Marxists are really useful for them in a political sense, and so they simply turn their head the other direction. Joe Biden falls into this category. He never, never does condemn the violence that is happening across the nation in the name of protest. And keep in mind that I think the entire nation supports the peaceful protest against what happened to George Floyd. But this is far beyond that, and Victor David Hansen is pointing out in his article how they relate to each other. So this group of neo-socialists, this new socialist in the Democrat Party, and they simply well, just look the other way. And then the third group are the finger-in-the-wind Democrats, and these are the corporate CEOs that just say, hey, uh, we want to mind our own business, and we kind of like y'all, and we're liberal too, and they contribute the money that allows Antifa to operate. So those are the three groups on the revolutionary side. Now, on our side, on the side that just wants peace and prosperity, they want a stable community, they are the ones who are going to determine the pathway. Now, up to this point, that group has basically been very silent, very still, and it's to our great disadvantage. They've begun to show signs of outrage over the destruction of property. So now you have national Democrats backing away and saying, oops, uh, maybe we went too far. So they've set these things loose, and I think the best way to look at it is that once you let that genie out of the bottle, there's no going back. You can't get the genie back into the bottle. And I think that's the predicament that the Democrats have found themselves in. This sort of tyranny is the thing of real revolutions. So we're going to see just how the scales balance out. The closer we move to November, the more you're going to see the population taking one side or the other. Are we going to support the revolution or do we want peaceful, productive lives in which we can find prosperity? Thank you, Steve. I've been talking with Steve Pierce, chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico. If you if you'd like more information on the Republican Party, stop by the website at www.gopnm.org. Be sure to check out the party's Facebook page, and they also have a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. If you want to talk to somebody, maybe volunteer, call Republican Party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. I look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico. Oh.